Hey friends, what's up? It is one o'clock on Tuesday, which is 100%, not usually the time that I do office hours, but um, after the Pride weekend hiatus, I, I just felt like I had a lot of people asking me a lot of questions this week, and I just wanted to make sure that I provided some sort of time where I was here to take your questions. Um, I can stay for a full hour, but knowing this is not my usual time, I have no idea if people are even going to engage or not today. So we're gonna see. Um, so as I say always at the start of this, if uh, I give you any advice, please take it with a grain of salt. Um, I can only speak from my personal experiences, both in the audition room and in this industry. Uh, and I 100% know that sometimes my feedback works for people and sometimes it doesn't resonate with them. So if it's not resonating with you, great. Don't listen to me. But I am here and I am a free resource and I'd love to take your questions if you have any today. Um, so I'm going to let people join and start asking questions if they have them. First and foremost, I hope everyone had an awesome pride. Uh, I saw so many great pictures and everyone seemed to be having the best time and it just looked so wonderful and so beautiful. And I'm just so happy so many people had a great time. Um, also, if you're in New York City, I hope everyone is okay uh, with the MTA fail today and the derailment on the A. Check in, I hope you're doing well. Let me know that you're okay. Um, so those things aside, let's get started. The first thing that I want to start with today, I actually just had a really great coaching with someone and we kind of came to this awesome conclusion together. Pride! Yeah, bro! Um, we came to this awesome conclusion today. So, you know, I talk a lot about um, actors who come into an audition room and they're wearing what I call the kind of cone of shame, um, which is this thing, you know, we put them on dogs, right? Those like plastic collars that um, keep, uh, keep dogs safe when they've had surgery or they're sick or something. And, and I feel like a lot of uh, actors come into the audition room and they have this kind of cone around them. And it's this thing that is their protective mechanism, um, which is great. We all have to wear armor. We all have to protect ourselves when we're doing something that is tricky or complicated or difficult or vulnerable. Absolutely. Uh, but we talk a lot about how that cone that people wear um, kind of disengages them from everything around them. So I refer to it a lot when I'm trying to engage with someone and when I'm trying to talk with someone in the room and they like are done with their audition and they just kind of turn and they walk out of the space, um, which happens all the time. Why are you running away? Um, but I think part of why people are running away is A, everyone has told them like get out as quickly as you can, and B, they're not actively participating in the space that they're in, right? It's this cone that keeps them protected, keeps them silenced, keeps everything kind of out of their, um, out of their way. But here's the thing that we realized together today. The reason we put dogs and animals into those cones is to protect them from their uglies. It is to protect them from their wounds. It is to protect them from opening their wounds. Why on earth would we want someone to do that in the audition room? Why on earth would we want someone to protect themselves from their uglies when they're coming in to show their true authentic selves through the text that they've been given? Why on earth would we want to see this like highly protected version of someone's artistry? You don't pay $200 to see that. You wouldn't. You just wouldn't want to pay Broadway prices to see someone protecting themselves from their uglies. It's just not, not the case. Now, I'm not trying to tell you to be unhealthy, and I do 100% think you need to protect yourselves on some levels. But by putting yourself in this kind of cone that... Um, 
that is a real protective measure that allows you to um, zone out from everything happening around you, uh, you're really inhibiting yourself from being the artist that you 100% can be and should be. And uh, I think you need to maybe take the cone off and start allowing for the uglies to be present and that there is the possibility of um, showing them and seeing them yourself. Because if you don't remember you have them, if you aren't seeing them, then it's certainly not going to come across in your work. So just a thought, not a sermon, but that's kind of how I wanted to start today. So I got a question before we started. And again, if you have any questions, I am here. If you're a first-time Office Hours viewer because we're doing them during the day on a Tuesday, hi and welcome. The way this works is if you have any sort of industry question, you can feel free to write it in the comments below or share this with other people who you think might need it. Um, I'm here and I will take any and all questions. They don't have to be industry-related, but if they are, I'm here. I'm a free resource and I'd love to answer them. I did get a question beforehand today that I wanted to get to. I got an email from someone asking me to talk about follow-up emails. This person said they were new to this city and they were wondering what's the best way to get in contact with someone if you feel like you've been in the audition room with them and you had kind of a special moment. Like something happened where you feel like there was a connection, someone said something nice or someone gave feedback and then had to do it again and it helped you. If something happens, what's the best way to get in contact with them? Now. You all know that I think postcards are a waste of time. However, I had a client recently who was like, I was just at this panel with casting directors and they said, no one sends postcards anymore, so now we should send postcards. <laughs> and I'm like, no, everything is confusing. And of course, that's the real answer. Everything is confusing, every office is different. However, for my kind of grain of salt, um, I think if you're gonna send something to someone's office, you better make it a handwritten note in an envelope. Make it something special. The only reason for, in my opinion, you should be sending a postcard to someone is if like you've been on tour for a year and a half and you just wanna let offices know like, hey, I'm back in the city. That's great, that's appropriate. Someone can update a list to make sure that they know you're back. Um, but kind of other than that, um, nine times out of 10, your postcard is gonna get thrown away. I'm pretty sure that that is an accurate statement. Uh, however, if you write a handwritten card that is a thank you experience, um, it will most likely be read by someone, if not the person that you actually addressed it to. I know I am a total cornball, and any time someone writes me a handwritten note, I literally keep them in a shoebox. That's correct. I have a shoebox full of thank you notes, and I love them and appreciate them, and I think it's such a dying art, and to me, that's such a generous thing. However, you shouldn't be sending those after every audition, right? It really should only be if you have some sort of very special experience. Someone comes outside and talks to you. Someone talks you through something. Um, someone is helping you in this space and you were like, God, that was so useful. Um, you had a really great callback and you wanted to thank someone for the callback. These are the kind of things that involve um, actually writing and saying thank you. In terms of emails, um, you know, we always talk about how you get one ask. So if you're sending an email to someone and it's an ask, it better be the ask and you better use language like, I know in this industry you only get one ask and this is the one that I'm doing. Um, with the knowledge, of course, that someone on the other side of that email has every right to delete it. Hopefully they will read it and take it to heart, but they also have every right to ignore it. Um, just like you have every right to ignore emails that come to you. Um, However, if you have um, contact information for someone, you've taken a class, you've received a callback, you've received an appointment from someone directly, um, and you want to say 
thank you for something, again, only if you feel like you have a true personal relationship with this person is it acceptable to send them an email. Um, however, you are allowed. No one in this world is going to say you are legally unqualified to send an email. However, just know, like, people get a lot of emails, and you want to make sure that the emails you're sending are sent on purpose, with a purpose, with gratitude, with graciousness, um, and I just wouldn't send them all the time. That's just not something that's appropriate or necessary. Uh, so, um, great. But you have to stand out, right, in an email somehow especially. First of all, hey, Jonah, long time no chat. I hope your life is wonderful. Um, second of all, yeah, of course, absolutely you have to stand out. I mean, that welcome to the crux of this whole business, right? You have to stand out. What We talk about this all the time. What is your point of view, and how is it coming across? Uh you know, how how do you know what it is that is your specific worldview and how are you sharing that with the rest of the world? This is your goal as an artist. This is your goal as a human. And I hope that you're working on it every day. If that is the case, it should 100% be coming across um, in your email correspondence. First and foremost, y'all, you need to be a professional email writer. This includes things like the subject line. I had a conversation recently uh, with someone about uh, subject lines and how, like, the subject line should be the thesis of what you're asking for in your email, right? Like, that is so important. So a subject line should not be, like, two sentences. If you are submitting for something, it should say, like, Kate Lumpkin dash name of show submission. Like, it should say what the email is. If you're writing to say thank you, the subject line should be, thank you. If you're writing to update someone, it should be Kate Lumpkin dash update. Like, it should be the thesis statement of your email. Then, of course, if you want to make yourself stand out, things that I think are really great if you can include them in an email include, like, a picture of yourself in the, uh, in the little nugget. Why can't I think of what that's called? Um, but, you know, the, the line with your name and your information, if you can have a picture in there so we can have a visual representation of who you are in case we're having, like, a brain fart moment. Um, using really um, educated and thoughtful language is going to make you stand out more than you could even imagine. Right? I just put a breakdown up with submission, with the option to submit via email, and I'm getting a lot of submissions. The people whose attention is really getting me are the people who have, you know, a strong subject line that makes sense that also meets all of the requirements of what it said in my breakdown, which was, you know, please put attention, Kate Lumpkin, blah, blah, like all of these things. Um, and if you're not doing that, clearly you didn't read the, uh, the email or the, the breakdown well. Um, also, when someone takes the time to say, hello, um, I just read your breakdown on Playbill.com and wanted to submit myself for the role of woman one in this production. Like, take the time to write a crafted email that's not 15 years long. But show me that you are, you know, you've read the breakdown, you understand what you're applying for or submitting for. And this is, you know, for a submission email. If you're writing an email just to contact someone, um, get to the point quickly. Get to the ask if it's an ask. Get to the thank you if it's a thank you. Uh, don't take too much time because you know people don't read huge, long emails. Get to the point. Be succinct. Be thoughtful and sound as well-educated as you can. Use correct punctuation. Spell check your emails. If you're submitting, don't forget to you know do your attachments. There's nothing worse than saying, like, my attachments are on this thing, and then they're not actually there. 
um, make sure there's a visual representation of self and, you know, understand that not everybody is going to respond immediately or even ever, but you have the right to send an email. Here's what I don't approve of. Sending a cold email to someone where you have sufficiently stalked them on the internet to where you have found in the dark matter someone's private email address and you write and, and you know, either A, don't acknowledge that that's what you did, or B, try to convince somebody that you've met them somewhere. Like, don't do a fake out, right? Don't fake somebody out. Ask for what you want. Say how you got that person's information. Be sure to reiterate the contact, right? Like, if, if I give you someone's email address and I say, this person is great, you know, tell them, tell them that I sent you. The email should start, hello, I just wanted to write uh, to say hello. I recently had a meeting with Kate Lumpkin who suggested that I reach out to you, right? Say what the connection is because otherwise people are going to be like, who this? Like, who, who's writing me? I don't know who this person is. Um, so email etiquette, right? We just email etiquette. I wrote a post about this on my blog. If you go to kate-lumpkin.com backslash no marking. Um, I wrote an email about, or I wrote an email, I wrote a blog post about email etiquette. It's so important. Um, so go check that out if you haven't read that. Um, does anyone else have questions for me today? I can chat uh, for up to an hour, so if anyone has any thoughts or any questions, please feel free to send them to me. Um, I guess I can ramble for a little bit until someone has a question for me. Uh, but my brain is just completely dead. Do, you can't see this. If you're, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, you won't be able to see this, but does everyone love this like jungle motif behind me today? I, um, I'm in a different space. I'm not in my usual home office and I'm, I'm living for this like cheetah jungle experience going on behind me. Um, okay. So let's get back to business. Um, first and foremost, if you have, oh, sure. I think we might have a question. Hold on. Great. If someone wants to go into casting, do they need to be ready to give up acting? Who? That's a that's a great question. Um, and I want to start by saying this. I work with a lot of people. So a lot of people in casting clearly have um, worked uh, in some sort of other aspect of, oh, hello. Um, they have worked in some sort of other aspect of the performing arts before they go into casting. I find that that often happens because the idea of what casting is, most people don't ever talk about it. When when we were younger, the idea of what a casting director was wasn't something that people knew. You don't see, you don't see that in the movies. You see actors, you see directors, you see writers, but you don't really see anything about like GMs or casting directors or, you know, any of these other kind of jobs. Um, so I think a lot of people did theater, uh, went to college for theater and then realized like, oh no, this other thing that I didn't even know existed is my passion, is what I've been building for my whole life. Is You know, me, I used to make, we've talked about this before, but I used to make like Broadway trading cards before they were actually pre-made. I would like cut out the playbills and like take the little headshots of actors and like make trading cards and then like try to create new casts. Right? Like, I literally did that. I would, like, cut up the playbills and, and try to make new casts of shows I was listening to, like the, the records. Okay, clearly I was being a casting director before I even knew what that thing was, right? Um, and my people were theater people, so I did theater, and I loved it, and I loved singing and all of that. But here's the reality. Um, 
I hear a lot of actors be like, well, if I don't make it as an actor, I'm just going to be a casting person. <laughs> and I'm like, that's not how this works, my friends. That's not what this is. Um, you know, this is a, I talk a lot about how this is a craft. Um, and I know, you know, a lot of people are talking about fairness for casting and, and uh, people recently have compared casting to like being a lawyer. Um, and I would just argue that casting is a craft. You have to understand a lot of different aspects and moving pieces in this business. You have to know how to network. You have to know how to market yourself. You have to know every actor in the city. You have to be seeing shows all the time. You have to know what creative teams are looking for before they even tell you. Like, this is a craft. And it's not something that just, like, if you are an actor and you think, like, oh, I didn't make it, so I'm going to do this thing, that's just, like, not what it is. And I think, you know, since a lot of people who who do casting, myself included, went to school for theater, people think like, oh, that's what it is. But it's not. When you realize that this is the thing, this is all I want to do. Um, and yes, I do think that you kind of need to give up acting if it's what you're going to do. I would feel very, very uncomfortable um, being in a show. Uh, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense, right? If I, um, if I, and sitting down, assessing talent, trying to connect people, trying to do these other things, and then putting myself in something else, it just feels kind of uh, like it goes against what, what's really happening. So first and foremost, you are allowed to change your mind as to what you want to do in this here life. So if acting is not what you want to do and you realize that you have such a passion for putting puzzle pieces together and working with creative teams and understanding the industry, understanding the talent pool in this industry, um, and you think casting is something that you would love to do, then please come join us. Like there's room at the table. There's, there's room in this industry. But this is not something that you just like uh, can do as a fallback. It's, 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 it's a career, it's a path, it's a craft, it's a job. It's something that not a lot of people are willing to do, not a lot of people know how to do. And, you know, I, we're all still learning. It changes every day, right? So I, I just want to encourage people, you're allowed to change your mind, but don't, the language that we use um, is really important. And when I hear people say like, well, if I can't, if I can't be an actor, then I'm just going to, go to casting or I'm just going to like, I don't know, I'll just like be a GM or like, I'll just like, no, these are people's identities and jobs and lives and, and hopes and passions. And it takes just as much guts and courage and, and moxie to do what I do as it does to be an actor. I have to go and fight for my contracts just like you do. So, you know, it's, it's another kind of thing. Um, however, I think having a background in, in theater and acting is really, really, really fundamentally important to this job, um, and I'm really grateful that I have it. And truly, if you change your mind about what you want to do, you're allowed to do that. Just know that um, being an actor and a casting director is, is it, it's, it just makes people a little uneasy, and I think rightfully so. Now listen. Everyone can do whatever they want to do. If you can find a way to make it work where you're not offending people and you're not, um, you know, you don't feel like a weird, you know, tear inside of yourself, then find a way make, find a way or make one. That's what my mom always said when I was younger. Find a way or make one. So, amen, go do your thing. Um, the other thing that I really do want to say, though, is uh, if you think you want to go into casting and you're watching shows and um, you're, like, aching to be there and it's hurting you to watch other people do this thing, like, maybe you're actually not ready to give up acting. Ah. Um, you know, 
you should be able to watch something and enjoy it um, and love that you're a part of it and love that you're a part of this community and this craft. But if it is like physically hurting you, um, that you so desperately want to be up there doing it yourself, then maybe it's time to like reevaluate and try to figure out a way to be helpful um, to your heart and to your soul and to, and to honor what it is that you actually want to be doing. So just a thought. Um, I got a question from Jason. Hi, Jason. Hi, my dove. I'm glad you're watching. Um, what really are the chances of one being cast off of a self-tape in theater, particularly for musical theater, or your thoughts on that? Okay, first and foremost, y'all, self-tapes are real. Self-tapes are real. Self-tapes are something that um, people actually do watch. Self-tapes are something that... Um, are really important for the future of this industry. So you need to be good at self-tapes. I'm just saying this for the people in the back. You need to get good at self-tapes. This means you need to invest in, like, the, the real truth is, this camera right here has a brilliant microphone and a brilliant camera, and you can make a great self-tape with an iPhone. Rule number one, do not make your, your, your self-tape like this. Don't make it vertical. Please give us a horizontal self-tape. Please, 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 please. If you're going to use an iPhone, please do that. Um, for a lot of reasons, but the, uh, the real truth is it's much easier for us to upload into some of the services that we use. Um, it's easier for people to see and for people to watch. So, like, focus. Um, okay, so now that the people in the back have heard how important self-tapes are and that the quality is important but that you can get great quality from an iPhone, so there's, like, zero excuse. Um, yeah, I definitely think people can get jobs from self-tapes. I think that um, a lot of people kind of like throw them away and think like, ugh, this is just, you know, whatever. So they don't spend the time to make them good quality. They don't like actually do the work that they want to do. Um, and so oftentimes I think self-tapes are, are not as good as in the audition room. But the real truth is there are a lot of projects that are doing big searches for things all across the country. There are a lot of times someone really wants to see you, but you're out of town. And so, like, we can't bring you into the room, but we really, really, really want to show you to the creative team. And so we really want you to make a good self-tape so that we can show you to the creative team. And, you know, hopefully – so, like, for example, I was casting a show recently um, that was awesome. And, and there's this, this guy who I knew would be great for it who was still in college. And so I asked him to make a self-tape for uh, – for the, the creative team, because uh, I knew he would be here by the time the show was happening, and his self-tape was beautiful and wonderful, and we couldn't end up using him because rehearsals were going to start before he could get here, and, and all sorts of other things, but the self-tape was great, and the creative team really enjoyed it, and now, you know, I got to see the kind of work and the work ethic that this person put into it, and, and I love this person, and so I hope to work with this person in the future. So it might not get you the job now, but it's definitely worth doing it. If someone asks you to do a tape, you should do it. Now, those people who, like, make tapes when they haven't been asked to do them, that's a little infuriating um, because we're already, like, looking through a lot of tapes. We're looking through a lot of auditions. We've asked for things on purpose. Um, so I think sometimes when people just, like, go ahead and make tapes when they haven't been requested, I don't need, I don't need to see that. Um, you know, there are people who break rules all the time and get jobs. There are people who do that and, and, and figure something out. I just think if someone has requested a self-tape from you, you should 100% give it 100% because you just never know who's going to watch it. You never know if someone's going to see something in you in that tape that they didn't even realize and they're going to want you for another project. Um, the other truth is they might never watch it. 
but at the end of the day, it gives you footage of something. It gives you practice at an audition. Um, it helps you practice on-camera stuff. And we all know on-camera musicales are happening all the damn time. So why not? Why not practice singing on camera? It's a different art form. Um, so, yeah. Um, any more basic self-tape tips? The vertical angle was a good one. Great. Yes, absolutely. If you are going to upload a self-tape and you're not doing it through an agent or manager who's, like, helping you along this journey, please, please, please upload it directly to Vimeo or to YouTube um, or to something where I can click and play. You do not, please do not send like a downloadable link through like a WeTransfer. Don't make it that difficult. Send a private link via YouTube or Vimeo. And if you're going to send a private Vimeo, make sure you send the password and make sure the password works. Um, it's so much easier if I can just click right through and I think pretty much anyone would agree with that. Um, if someone asks you for a downloadable link, um, make sure you provide that. I know with Vimeo, you can choose to make the video downloadable. Um, if someone asks, make sure that that's reality. Um, however, just making it easy to click and play is, is really, really, really helpful nine times out of 10. Um, Google Drive is, is not great. Um, and it's very hard sometimes to hit play and make that work. In terms of other things, just make sure, um, in a self-tape that your lighting is good. Make sure that you've figured out that you're not like completely washed out or completely like a different color than you are. I've seen some self-tapes where people are like this like weird bluey green color and I'm like, what, what, what were you standing in? What neon light were you standing in? Um, you know, try to make it look as fresh and as real as to who you are as possible. Um, also, be sure to, uh, if you're gonna be singing in a self-tape, two things. Make sure that you're standing far enough away from the mic or you've set your level so that you're not blowing it out. I wanna be able to hear a quality sound if you're singing in a self-tape. Um, and sometimes, you know, people make the mistake of um, not thinking about those things and then the sound is all off. For example, I cannot recommend this highly enough. This is the Snowball by Blue Hello. Um, it is, or the Blue Snow, something. If you Google Blue Snowball, this will pop up. It's very inexpensive, it's a really great microphone, it's something that you can hook right into your computer, um, and it creates a really, really, really beautiful sound. Also, there are lots of plugins that you can get for your iPhone that are like clip lav mics that are really, really, really great. Um, and the sound pretty much on your iPhone is also pretty great, just make sure you're not standing right next to it. Um, I also cannot tell you enough, invest in a good camera for so many reasons. Um, you know, you never know when having a good camera is going to be useful for pictures, is going to be useful for events and all that kind of stuff. But to have a good camera for a self-tape, it just, it just reads a little bit better. Um, it comes across like you've invested in yourself, like you've invested in this specific type of craft. It shows us a really good HD quality version of who you are, what your face looks like, what your body looks like. You can adjust the brightness in a really great way. Um, it's just going to look really professional. Uh, the other thing is, you know, don't look DTC, don't look direct to the camera if unless you've been directed to do that. It just kind of comes across a little creepy and it's not great. So my recommendation, even if you're doing a musical and you're singing and you're not reading your sides, um, is to just look to the left or to the right just slightly of the camera so it's not like, I'm singing you my song, eh, eh, oh, here's my song, like, just like, Tell the story like you would in an audition room, just looking to the right slightly or to the left slightly of the camera, depending on what your angles are, um, and tell the story just like you would in an audition space. 
Um, also really think about what you're wearing, just like you would for an audition. I know lots of times people get these like emails and they're doing a show in the woods and they have like four outfits and an iPhone. We will understand if you send an email that says like, Hey, just a rem- reminder, I'm doing, I'm up in Massachusetts and I'm doing a show. So I put this together between my, between my two shows today. Um, if you need anything else from me, let me know. Um, I will understand maybe the, the kind of like hurriedness of it. If you don't have that kind of excuse though, like take the time. Take the time and, and make it as, as beautiful as you can. Invest in, you know, if tracks aren't sent to you, like have an accompanist help you out and make make it good. Um, people do get cast on these things and, and people do watch them. So is that helpful, Jason? Let me know. Um, if you have any more questions, ask. Jonah says, tapes are the future. You are right. You can get good video from the iPhone, but if you can do audio with a portable microphone like a Zoom recorder or even an iPhone-compatible clip-on mic, you're going to sound better. Put them together in iMovie after. Well, Jonah, before I even read that, we were saying the same thing. I also have with me my Zoom mic. Look at that. Twins. So many microphones. Um, you know, and lots of things will connect directly and you don't even have to put them together in, in iMovie. However, I think every actor should have a basic understanding of iMovie or some sort of editing, um, technique. It's just helpful and useful. iMovie is so easy to use. There are so many YouTube tutorials you can just type in. Um, so that's just, you know, something to think about. Um, Shauna says, in a self-tape, what do you do if you have no reader but they send a scene? Huh. Okay, so here's the deal. You have to find a reader. Um, I have seen tapes where people literally put, like, they FaceTime someone in and read with a FaceTime person. You can hear it through the mic. But if if you don't have a reader, you can't do the scene work. So find someone. Even if you call a friend and figure out how to make it work, you've just got to make it work. Um, there's no world in which it's right for you to, like, pre-record the lines and then, like, talk back to them. Um, you know, you have to know somebody and readers don't have to be great. Like we've all heard the reader on the other side of the tape. It's like, I don't understand why that is the thing, you know? And like, we've also all heard where someone else on the other side is like doing the scene reading, honey. They are trying to book this job as well. Hopefully you could find someone who's a little more in the middle. Um, but you really just have to find somebody. And if you have to FaceTime them in, um, then you have to FaceTime them in. But you can do that. There is a world where that is totally, totally plausible. Um, okay, so it looks like Sarah has a question. I have such a hard time reading it on this screen. Okay, uh, Sarah says, Hi, Kate, question. This summer I'll be reintroducing myself after a few years to seven different casting people via one class. Oh, girl. I have one great song that I think represents every facet of what I want to show about myself and a bunch of other ones that show other sides that maybe aren't as fine-tuned but might be better for specific shows or characters they've cast. Do you think it's better to go in and be like, here's me every time, or is it better to cater to the history of what they've cast even though it may not be my favorite or unique best? Okay. Friends. 100%. You're going in in front of like a panel of people. Um, and Sarah, feel free to clarify for me if you're going in front of them all at one time or if you're doing it individually. Um, that would be super helpful to me uh, to give you the best advice. But if you're going in for a panel of people who all cast very different things, um, you have to take into account a couple of things. One, you're thinking about what they're casting right now that's visible, not necessarily what they might be casting in the future or what they've cast in the past. Um, so... I always say if you're going in to sing for more than one casting person and there are lots of different projects that they're working on, like 
do, the thing that represents the best version of you, the thing that you know is a really like authentic, true version of why you do this thing and why your skills are best used and how they're best used in this in this craft. Um, if you're going in individually, which it looks like you are, thank you for, for responding. I mean, here's the deal. If you feel like the work that you've done on these other pieces is not going to be as strongly representative of who you are and, and how you want to introduce yourself to these people, I don't say cater to their shows um, because you don't know what other projects they're working on. So, you know, if you think that you really, really, really live specifically in a show that you know they're casting and you want to have a piece of music that really caters to that world. Like if you're going in for, you know, a team member who works on Wicked and you're like, I am Anessa Rose and I got to sing something that shows them that I'm Anessa Rose, then like you need to take the time to work on something that really, really, really showcases what your Nessa Rose would look like. However, if you don't feel like you have the time and you don't feel like you know exactly what that thing is, I think it's better to go in and sing something that you feel super confident about, not like hyper-rehearsed, not like a routine version, um, but that is really authentic to what it is that you do in this industry that other people don't, why we should perk up and listen to you, what your point of view is, um, and how you show that and tell that through song. I think that's always going to be more beneficial to people than trying to cater to something that, you know, they may or may not still be working on or, or that, you know, they may be looking for something totally different for, or they already know who's going to replace, you know, for the next six months, 12 months, three years. Um, I just think any time you can show exactly what it is that you do, why you do it, how you do it, it's so important. It's just the most important. Um, and catering to someone else's specific needs when you maybe don't even really know what they are, it's just not going to be useful. And if you're reintroducing yourself, if you know that's your term, reintroducing yourself, which means you think you've made some sort of fundamental change that they maybe don't know about you, then it's more important to show them who this new, improved, better version of yourself is than it is to be like, ooh, look at my Anastasia. You know, like, so what? Um, I want to know what list to put you on. I want to know what roles to bring you in for because you live in those worlds, because you live in that music, because it tells you know how to tell that story better than other people. Um, so I think that that's kind of how I feel about that, especially if you're going into this to like reintroduce yourself to casting directors to make them know who you are. Um, if something has fundamentally changed about you or about, you know, your body or about how you sing or about why you tell stories, like that's the more important thing to show a casting director, especially if you think they know you as something else. Um, it's better that than um, going in and being like, well, I can be Evan Hansen. Look at me. Look at me doing my best Ben Platt impersonation. Like the next person who plays Evan Hansen isn't going to do a Ben Platt impersonation. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, because no one's going to be able to do that like him. It's going to be someone who does their own version of Evan Hansen, and that's what people want to see. Um, so I think that that is the most important thing to do. Yeah? Um, let me know if that's helpful uh, or if you have any follow-up questions. I'd love to answer them. Um, and I'd also be intrigued to know... Uh, who you're doing this through. Is this through Actors Connection? Is it through something else? I'd love to um, know where, where you're going to meet people.
Um, does anybody else have any questions for me? We've been chatting for about 35 minutes, uh, and I definitely have more time. I can be here until 2 o'clock, but if the questions stop flowing, then um, I'm going to peace out a little bit sooner. Uh, please feel free to send any questions my way, either via, uh, via direct message if um, you don't want to put them out in public, or you can send me an email, text me, tweet me, write it here, whatever you want. Um, good. I'm so glad that's 100% the answer that you wanted to hear. Uh, I think that it will serve you well. It always does. Um, you know, and, and just a, a reminder, if you're going to sing the same thing for everybody, uh, which is a totally valid choice if that's what you're going to do, I just encourage you to try to do something a little bit different every time you do it. Like, do look at the worlds that these people tend to cast in. Right? Like a lot of casting directors have an aesthetic. All casting directors have an aesthetic as to what kind of work they work on, what kind of actors they like to hire. Um, and so do your research and figure out what, uh, what trends and uh, things that they tend to like and work with are and try to make a choice that reflects the research that you've done about these people. I think it will serve you well. I think it will be respected. Um, and it will give you an opportunity to try to not make this song into a routine. Because we know, we know when you sing the same thong, 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 when you sing the same thong, when you sing the same song all the time, we know. We can see the routine. We can see it happen. It's just like I walk the same way to work every day. And people know because I will cut people off. I will cut them off if they're in my path of least resistance to get to my thing. It's in my muscle memory now. I know. I go out my door. I go left. I go two blocks. Then I go right. Then I walk up. Like, it becomes a part of your muscle memory. And so um, when you sing the same song over and over and over in auditions, you, you tend to, like, do the wink on the same thing and you tend to step forward on the same thing and it becomes this pattern that is not something that is highly watchable. Um, you know, and I know people will say like, well, when I'm doing an eight show week, I've got to do the same thing every time and make it look, you know, like brand new and a brand new life. And I totally agree with you. That is fundamentally your job when you're doing an eight show week, right? But there's this thing about auditions where, you know, you don't have the opportunity to, to do the whole play. You're just coming in for two minutes. And so lots of people tend to make that two minutes into a play, and then they start doing their lines and playing their part and doing the thing, and they lose like any sense of freedom or fun. And there is no rubric on an audition. There is no like basic marking. There is nothing you have to hit. You get the opportunity to play, which is fantastic. So like use it. Um, I talk about this a lot in my classes, and I just want to – want to reiterate this like there are a couple things that you know will be in every audition room you know if it's a musical there will be a piano you know there will be a floor you know there will be a wall like these are fundamental things that you know will be in every space so like use them you have permission I give you permission to use the space that you are in um, and so, you know, if you know you're going to do something where you're going to be singing for seven people and you're going to be doing the same song over and over again, like, I encourage you to just use the space and play and listen and see what people are responding to, engage with other people in the room. Um, it's just wildly, wildly important. And I guarantee you it will make you stand out because nine times out of ten, people don't use the space. People don't actively listen. They don't actively participate in their own work. So, 
like I said at the beginning of this, kind of get out of your cone of shame, make some bold choices, do your research on who you're singing for and try to understand their aesthetic and maybe meet them there. Um, but as long as it comes from a place of truth for you, a place of like authenticity for you. So I'm not saying like cater your music to them, but, but think about it. Fundamentally think about the worlds that these people typically cast in, um, the companies that they work for and the work that those companies tend to, tend to do. Um, oh, good. You're doing it at the growing studio. Michael Casera. Well, have fun. Um, Michael is a great teacher and a, and, and a very active listener and participant in these things. So I'm sure he will be wonderful. And the growing studio is, is great. So have so much fun. Um, okay. So it doesn't look like anybody else has any questions for me. So I think I am going to, uh, sign off, but I feel like we talked about some really great things today. We talked a lot about self-taping. We talked about what to do in the audition room when you're auditioning for a lot of people. Uh, we talked about, what else did we talk about, guys? Um, the cone of shame. We talked about, uh, do, do, do. oh, we talked about how to send thank you cards and postcards. We talked about a lot of things. So I think I'm going to sign off, but Thank you guys so much for joining me on a Tuesday afternoon. Uh, this is the first time that I have, oh, what's Brian saying? Anything? Oh, I just like listening to your awesome. Thank you, Brian. That's so dear. You're so generous. Um, great. So this is the first time I've done this on a Tuesday. I apologize for changing my time, but everyone was out doing pride stuff on Sunday, so I figured it was probably a waste to waste the time. So I hope some of you are new viewers. I hope some of you will join me again. I usually do office hours on Sunday nights at six o'clock on Facebook Live. Um, feel free to add me as a friend or find my business page. And like me, this is always posted there. I also always post these next day on um, my podcast, which you can find on iTunes. If you just type in office hours with Kate Lumpkin and subscribe, they will be for you the next day after uh, I do these available next day. Um, if you have questions for me, feel free to send me questions anytime during the week. I will either answer them privately or try to answer them here Sundays at 6. You can find all of these available. Uh, my podcast is available also on my website. Uh, all of these are backlogged and there's a ton of video footage, hours and hours and hours of me answering your free questions. So, or answering for free your questions. Uh, I hope you all have an incredible day. I say this every time and I mean it every time. It takes a lot of courage and uh, bravery and just like beauty to be an artist in a world that is telling you not to be. So I applaud everybody who is actively pursuing any sort of career in the arts, um, any sort of career being a storyteller. It is vital that we do this work now. It is vital that we share with each other. It is vital that we approach art with understanding and compassion and a little bit of kindness. Um, we need to do this and I want everyone who wants to do this to have the upper hand, to have the advice that they need in order to be successful at it. It is vital that we lift each other up right now and that we support other artists. So I always remind you, show up. Show up for other people's art and they will show up for yours. Appreciate other people who are trying hard to create work. That doesn't mean you need to like everything, but it certainly does mean that if you're gonna critique it, you should critique it from a place of uh, trying to move the art film forward, not from trying to break it down. I respect the hell out of all of you. I hope you're all doing fantastic and hope you have a brilliant week. Peace.
making art, keeping artists, keeping awesome.